This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Nick Berlansky, and as always, I am joined by Waldo himself, Nick Horwat. Yeah, we're Horwat's more dressed up for Halloween than I am right now. I guess I could say I'm like a, a NASA astronaut that is at a training seminar or something with the NASA shirt, but Horwat went all out as he always does, and we appreciate him for it. Looking like Waldo over there and what, Robinson, PA? I, I think Robinson, PA. The airport that the Pittsburgh Penguins have not used since their first two games of the regular season. We have a really good episode for you guys today. Of course, the Pittsburgh Penguins are riding a three-game regulation losing streak. So we'll dive into that as well as the entire first month of the season. The calendar has flipped for the first time on the 2021-22 season. It is now November, so we'll talk about how the Pittsburgh Penguins fared in October, as well as their COVID issues that they're facing, and we're also going to break down the lineup and some of the questions that we have for Mike Sullivan about his deployment of this Pittsburgh Penguins team. But let's start it off with a weekly recap of the Pittsburgh Penguins games last week. It was not great if you're a Penguins fan. Obviously, we were excited last week because the Penguins got out to a hot start. They were getting scoring from all angles. And then all of a sudden last week, it just faded into nothingness. Horwat, what do you make of last week's performance by the Pittsburgh Penguins? 0-3, three regulation losses. Uh, what I make from it is kicking the hell out of the Maple Leafs as a kiss of death for this team. I guess. <laughs> this isn't the first time we've seen something like this. It's interesting. Last time we blew out the Leafs, we went on that awful California road trip almost immediately after. This time, we kicked the shit out of them. We looked good that entire game, at least. Yeah. And then we lose to the Lightning, the way we should have in game one. Lose to the Flames, who were on an unironic hot streak. And then the Devil game, which... I, I don't really know what the hell happened there. Crosby came back, but it'll take him a few games to catch up to speed. Um... I think we said last episode, now's not the time to panic. It's still not. Mm-mm. Not yet. We still don't have Malkin. Latang hasn't been there for those games. And like I said, we just ran into the cup defending Lightning. Uh, a, a Jacob Markstrom who I, I think just put up another shutout at, since I started talking about them. Yeah, he's leading the league in goals saved above average so far this year. And he just made another three saves. So <laughs> it's just going to keep getting better for him. And then the Devils, which... Maybe that's the bad one we look at, just because it's the Devils again. I didn't see the game because I was working, but, like, the Devils don't strike me as a team we should be losing to ever, really. it's not. It wasn't in New Jersey. Yeah. It was a home game. That's where we beat them. So, I don't know. It's not It's not a fun weekend, week to lose three straight. It's never fun to lose three straight, no matter what your team looks like. But the fact that... The expectations were so low to start the season with nobody in the lineup, and then they got lower as people started leaving the lineup. Mm. Um, I feel like Crosby and Carter coming back made the expectations rise immediately. Oh, yeah. And then they let us down immediately. So you kind of just have to come back down to earth going into this long four-day break we have mm-hmm. and just kind of regroup. Hey, you know, Crosby's got to catch up to speed. We're still missing a ton of key players. Tristan Jari is human. And Casey DeSmith is human. Forgot he played one of those games. Mm-hmm. And just kind of regroup. It's early in the season still. We have the time to build off of it. We're only eight games in, so it's still not panic time, but it's uh, regrouping time, settling down. Yeah, in all fairness, the difference between that abysmal California road trip and these three games is at least the Penguins looked good in portions of these three games. That California road trip, I, I, it's infamous at this point because of how poorly that team played and how 
good we expected them to play. Also, the teams they were playing were uh, trash at that point in time. But looking at last week, obviously you have a 5-1 to loss to the Lightning on Tuesday night. Scoreless in the first period, and then Tampa goes off with a three-goal second period. And then Andre Vasilevsky does what he does, and he shuts down the Pittsburgh Penguins. Okay, you ran into a hot goaltender. That makes sense that your scoring got shut down. You're already shorthanded, and you hit a hot goaltender. Well, then it was basically deja vu on Thursday because Jacob Markstrom was even better than Vassy. I mean, he was, and I texted you during the game. I said, this guy is unbelievably on his angles. He made a lot of saves that should be 10-bell saves, but they looked easy because of how good his positioning was in that game. And the Penguins just weren't able to get through him. I mean, Drew O'Connor single-handedly is still having nightmares about Jacob Markstrom's paddle. Like, it is ridiculous how well he played. And the Penguins were in that game. It was only one to nothing through two periods. The only goal was Johnny Gaudreau with a beautiful tip to himself over John Marino's stick. Takes it down himself and then just blows the puck past Casey DeSmith with a beautiful shot top shelf. So they end up losing that game four to nothing. Okay, you ran into a hot goaltender again. Saturday, you lose four to two to the Devils. You get Sidney Crosby and Jeff Carter back. All of a sudden, this lineup looks like an NHL lineup once again with center depth at the core of it. 2-2 two two early in the third. It's kind of a lackadaisical game. It's exactly what we expect from a Penguins-Devils game. It's what we usually get. And then Sidney Crosby makes a bad play, turns into a penalty shot for Jesper Bratt. He scores a goal. The Devils add on another one, and they lose 4-2. to two. And all of a sudden, you've lost three straight games in regulation, one bad week, and the sky is falling for a lot of Pittsburgh fans because, hey, Crosby came back. We were supposed to be great, but realistically, listen, it's his first game in five months. And Mike Sullivan said the same thing in his post-game press conference. It is his first game in five months. Yeah, it's not going to be a great game, and he did not. I mean, not only did he take that penalty that led to a penalty shot, which was questionable. I'll give them that. I mean, he pushed him into the goaltender. It's ticky-tacky, but it's the way the dice was rolled. But the other play that he made earlier in the game to give Jimmy VC the penalty or the shorthanded goal, the pass that he tried to send back to John Marino was not good. John Marino was put in a really awful position by Sidney Crosby, something that you should never hear as a Penguins fan. And Jimmy VC did a really good job of taking advantage of that play and beating Tristan Jari. So... Yeah, 0-3, and as you mentioned, the sky is not falling. It is one bad week, but it is unfortunate that you lose three straight games considering the high you were on, or we were on, last week. I think everyone was kind of on that high. Everyone was feeling that team. Mm -hmm. We were winning without our best players. We were yeah. looking good without our best players. We were kicking the shit out of good other good teams without our best players. Mm -hmm. Now our best players are coming back, and it's just kind of falling apart. Yeah. It's not, though. That's just the way we're looking at it now because it's three games in a row mm -hmm. that we've fallen. And quite honestly, one game that we've fallen with a with an NHL, fully NHL roster. Mm -hmm. So it's not terrible. It's not, you know, something to dwell on. We got Carter Hart and or Martin Jones coming up. I think we can yeah. score on those guys. I, th I think we can, despite the Flyers being decent this year so far. Ugh. <laughs> Yeah, the only thing that the only thing that sucked about the Devils game, and this is just on a personal note, this isn't even really about the Pittsburgh Penguins losing. It sucked watching the Devils without Jack Hughes because if you saw the game that he played in the opener, it was electric, and then he gets hurt in the second game. So unfortunate for the Devils that he's going to be out for at least six more weeks with a shoulder issue. And if you look at the Penguins, you're like, okay, you're losing to a shorthanded Devils team. I understand that it's the Devils, and we have trained ourselves that lately they've been really bad since, you know, Ilya Kovalchuk and Martin Brodeur were on the team. But at the same time, this entire division is going to be very good this year. The only team that we predicted early on to be a bad team was Columbus, and they've gotten off to a hot start as well. Obviously, the best team in the NHL is the Carolina Hurricanes, and they're leading this division. Washington Capitals right behind them. They're also at the tops of this division. So it's not going to be easy. And that's also, I think, another big pressure point for the Penguins, that you have a bad week like this. Not many other teams in this division are going to lose three straight games very often. And also, I think we're still trained in last year's school of thought where, hey, we we only have, what, 65 games? This has got to happen. Or it was 48-game season, wasn't it? I don't remember. what 56 games. I don't know why I couldn't think of the number. 
it's only 56 games, so every game means that much more. There's going to be highs and lows. It's the first time we've had an 82-game season in three years. It was one bad week. We'll see what the Penguins do to regroup. They have a really long break here, and it's not like they've been traveling at all. So hopefully they can take this rest, regroup, come out against the Philadelphia Flyers on Thursday, and improve and show that they can beat teams in the Metropolitan Division because that loss to the Devils was also the first game that they played in the division. Yeah, it's still just early. I think that's what we just need to all look at here. It's still just early. Crosby's still trying to get his feet under him because it's his first game in five months. Um, Malkin's going to take the same sort of situation when he inevitably comes back. And just take it easy. Sorry I don't have many words. I'm just no, waking good. up and not feeling the hottest, but um, the coffee hasn't kicked in yet. Just give me a couple. Second segment, I'll be ringing it. Don't worry. No problem at all. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're getting ready to hear to just kind of close out the first segment. But before we do that, obviously another issue facing the Pittsburgh Penguins that is a reason that fans and honestly the, the morale around Pittsburgh right now is not great when it comes to the Penguins. They're also facing COVID issues. They've been facing COVID issues all season long. You talk about preseason, you had Jake Gensel and Zach Aston Reese on the COVID list. Then, of course, Chris Letang and Jeff Carter. We also thought Tristan Jari might be on the COVID list, but his was a false positive. Luckily, you got Carter back in the lineup on Saturday. Chris Letang, it seems like he's on his way back. He's on the workout bike. He's he's getting back into it from what it seems. So maybe we see him at the tail end of this week. We're not sure. But then, again, this past Sunday, two more players, both on the blue line, added to the COVID list. Marcus Pedersen and Chad Ruedel. So now, obviously, with regards to that, P.O. Joseph gets called up for the second time this season. There's a much better chance that he gets into the lineup this time. But once again, the Pittsburgh Penguins, although all fully vaccinated, are having issues with COVID here in the first month of the season. Yeah, this is strange. But more or less, I, it's time to bring back the taxi squad again. Mm, I don't know about that. I, more, multiple teams are having these issues, though. So, yeah. Also, I, I just like the taxi that. squad in general. I think it just it makes sense. Just eliminate the waivers in between it. That's all. Uh, yeah. Let teams I, utilize pro- it. The only problem that I have with the taxi squad is for it to even make sense for me. The players that you have to have on that taxi squad, in my opinion, if you're the Penguins, is a Matt Barkowski on the back end, is a Taylor Fadoon, is a Michael Chaput. I don't want a guy like P.O. Joseph on the taxi squad. I want him in Wilkes-Barre playing for that team i want him playing hockey games implement it but uh adjust it make it smaller like make it three players four maybe and then you can pull from wherever you want though you don't have to pull from the taxi squad you can pull from the miners if you want to pull someone all the way up uh eliminate the waivers and what else oh and you don't have to fill it if you just want to stick one person in there just stick one person in there Max it at like four or something. Utilize it as you need to. Sure, you're screwing people out of playing time. Maybe even let the taxi squad still play in the minors. Yeah, that that might be a nice adjustment. That like basically they're the taxi squad as far as contract eligibility, but yeah. they can still play for the AHL or ECHL or whichever team that they're actually on. Usually, there's not an ECHL player on a taxi squad, but I don't know. I just think thing. with. It shouldn't have been taken away for this season, too, considering there is still a pandemic. But, uh, yeah, no, the Penguins having issues with it, it's not the best, man. I, I Viruses are weird. This one has been weird. We've seen this for the yeah. last damn near two years now. Yeah. And um, who knows? Yeah. Like, we're not going to know all the details of it. We're just going to know if they are symptomatic or asymptomatic and – when and who got it that's it yeah. we're not gonna know where it came from because we're not gonna they're not gonna release contact tracing hell i'm a little no. surprised uh well last season was nice whenever they didn't have to tell you what was wrong for an injured player yeah i the thing is the pittsburgh penguins didn't really have any issues last season when it came to the covid19 list so yeah. i i guess it catches up with everybody at some point i'm not suggesting that you know, either way, but it just that on top of the Penguins injury issues already has been kind of a blow to morale. But I mean, the Penguins, if you look at it, they're what three, three and one or three, three and two at this point at, through the first month. 
considering what they faced, and we'll talk about it in the second segment when we talk about the entire month, they're in a decent spot right now. Yeah. yeah. Not in the standings. They're in last place in the, in the Metropolitan Division. But they're in a decent spot as far as their performance. But it's early. But it it's early. early. And we look fine. We look good. Tristan Jari still looks good. His, his numbers have to be okay. He's not the one that gave up four goals. No, no, that was Casey DeSmith that gave up four, but Tristan Jari did give up, I believe, three against... Yeah, because that last one... Wait. He gave up three against the uh, the Lightning, and he gave up four again. I don't remember if there was one or two empty net goals in the Lightning game, but he also did give up all four goals in that okay. Devils game. So yeah. he did give up three, at least three and four, in his last two performances. Hey, but, he's human. Yeah, you're going to have... Again, it is a down week. It is, it is one week. Now they have an extended break. We'll see what they do. They have two more games on this homestand against the Flyers. And then on Saturday, I believe, let me double check my calendar, but I cannot remember right the now. Wild. The Wild. Okay. And the Minnesota Wild, whose star player right now, Kirill Kaprizov, doesn't even have a goal yet. So they're struggling Ooh. as well. They're five and threes of right now. Obviously a better record than the Penguins, but. Big old new lately. contract. Doesn't have a goal. I Six I'm assists such, though. Such a cynic. I love seeing stuff like that. <laughs> I am. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to have lineup questions for the Pittsburgh Penguins and for Mike Sullivan, especially. And then we're going to talk about our thoughts on the entire first month of the Pittsburgh Penguins season. We'll be right back. NFL fans, are you hungry for a big win this week? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It is that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings will not leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network. We have some lineup questions here for the Pittsburgh Penguins at the start of November. We're going to lead this segment off with that, and then we'll go into our thoughts entirely on the month of October for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Only eight games played in that month because we started on, what, the 13th, 12th or 13th, something like that. But when it comes to the lineup, the Penguins are starting to get healthy. Not fully healthy. I don't know if they'll ever be fully healthy. But they're starting to see some players re-emerge into the lineup, which is a nice change of pace from the beginning of the season. Sidney Crosby returned on Saturday against the New Jersey Devils. And the question was, who's he going to play with? Obviously, the easy answer on his left side is Jake Gensel. You expected Gensel to be on his left side, but who is always on his right wing has been a big question for the past couple of seasons. And what we saw on Saturday was Evan Rodriguez stay on that top line due to his performance when Crosby was out. How long are you, Horwat, willing to watch Evan Rodriguez on the top line? Uh, about three shifts. Oh. About three shifts. I don't care how good he was this year. And I don't care if he played with him last year. Something about Evan Rodriguez just sitting up there on that line doesn't sit right with me. He's the replacement level player that we don't have pegged as a Pascal Dupuis type like we do with Dan Heinen per se, who finally got back into the scoring race. I think that would be the guy to go with and I give it a shot. He's been playing well. It's not, worst comes to worst, you adjust the lines again. All we're doing is kind of wasting time until Brian Rust comes back. We actually put him there, right? I mean, it's not the end of the world to give Heinen that chance after we realize Rodriguez just doesn't fit there. I mean, he was the lowest producer whenever he was on that line last season, was he not? It's mm -hmm. just the way it goes. He's Rodriguez has 
covered well for us. You know, he had to be first line center uh, for some reason. It's not ideal, and having him on the first line isn't ideal. So moving him back down to his replacement level status, wherever it be in that lineup, is where he should be. And then you stay kind enough there in the meantime because he seems to be able to play anywhere and is overperforming himself at this moment. We're getting Boston Danton Heinen. That's what we wanted. So now you give him that chance with Crosby, see what happens there. Worst comes to worst, he does great. And then you just have to move him whenever Rust comes back because I'm assuming that's Rust's spot in the matter of a week? Like, oh, what am I saying? Not a week. Uh, Rust is with the... Uh, we still don't know. Yeah, we, we still have no idea on Brian Rust. So okay. I mean, he is working out, which is yeah. good, but we still have no idea. When it I comes to him. Evan Rodriguez, yeah. though, I, I understand it. I get it. I, I understand putting him there as soon as Crosby gets back because you're rewarding a guy that stepped in in a big way for you and a guy that was playing very well. I mean, let's not forget the fact. Under, I understand we don't want to see Evan Rodriguez play with Sidney Crosby. It's not sexy. It's not appealing. It's not what we want to see when we see the lineup card. But if you are we forgetting the way he just played? When Crosby was out, he was our first line center and he was not doing poorly. He was playing well. Specifically, he was playing well and with his underlying numbers. I, I struggled to get that out there. But his underlying numbers were good as the first line center for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And the production was also there as much as you can expect for Evan Rodriguez on a first line center role. Now, I understand. Give him the opportunity with Sid and Jake. See if he can continue that. And if he doesn't, What's the harm in putting him down lower in the lineup? And if he plays well lower in the lineup, then you're golden. How long am I willing to watch this? I would give him till the end of the homestand. I would give him the flame or not the flames, the flyers game and the wild game. Let him play in that line for a couple more games. See how it works out specifically. See how the underlying numbers work out. I understand he's not going to score in every game. I understand this line might score, but he might not be a part of it in every single game. But at the same time, they were abysmal when it came to possession, when it came to scoring chances on last Saturday's game. So if they can improve on that, maybe you keep him in. But I would give him till the end of this homestand. If I don't see an improvement, that's when I have an issue. And let's talk about Heinen. You just mentioned him. He's on the fourth line. Maybe that's when you put Heinen up there. Yeah, where did that come from? He, <laughs> Joe, we're, The thing about Heinen, too, is we've utilized him in such a weird way. It's either you're on the first line or you're on the last. There's it's a Dom Simone thing, but he's not... I mean, he's better than Dom Simone. He can finish. He's got a one-way contract. Yeah. That is the difference. It's the wildest thing. He's either on the top line with Granite, Rodriguez, and Gensel, mm-hmm. or shoved to the fourth line where in Dom Simone's place, like you mentioned. Yeah. So I think if we just give him a little stability and we make it... Because we've seen him pop off already three goals in the first three games of the season he just got back on the scoring sheet Saturday. which game was it was it the devil's game devil's game yeah he yeah. scored the first goal so we've seen him come back so we know this that wasn't a fluke in any sort of way he has that ability why not give him a great playmaker like crosby who admittedly yeah needs to catch up again but mm-hmm. um can do so with someone who might be at about the same speed right now with dan heinen It's a little bit of a slower first line while Crosby picks up, but uh, it's an idea and something that I think we talked about at the beginning of the year possibly happening at the end. Yeah. And the funny thing is with this, it feels like the Penguins' middle six is set. It feels like Zucker, Carter, Kapanen as a second line is something that Mike Sullivan really likes. And honestly, I'm willing to see that through because I think that could be a really good line. And then, of course, Mike Sullivan has his old reliable line of Zach Aston Reese, Teddy Bluger, and Brock McGinn. I think Brock McGinn has slotted into that role, that Brandon Tanev role, quote-unquote, very, very well. We saw him score his second goal of the season in Saturday's game. He looks good. He also blew somebody up. And I don't remember if that was Saturday's game or if that was Thursday night's game. But he blew someone up at the Penguins' blue line. And I absolutely love that because that is just the epitome of the way he plays he can score goals he can also be physical I like that line as well so the question then becomes 
Why, what do you do with Evan Rodriguez? What do you do with Danton Heinen? Those are the big questions because those guys, you're either on the top line or the fourth line. And right now, I like Drew O'Connor as a fourth liner. I think he's good. I like Brian Boyle as your fourth line center. I think that's a good slot for him. Those guys have shown offensive upside this year, but also have been pretty good when it comes to defending their own zone. Now, whether I'd see, I'd like to see Heinen or Rodriguez on that line, I'd rather see Rodriguez. If I had my choice, I'd rather see Rodriguez. But I understand giving Erod an opportunity on that top line because of how he played before Crosby came back. That's that's the only thing that I'm looking at. Yeah, and I get it too. It's 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 also the experience thing. He's played with Crosby before. He's played with Crosby and Getzel before. He did it last year, and it wasn't awful, awful. Yeah, just the lowest producer. That's all. Um, I'm just a fan of a little bit of change and giving a new guy a chance and seeing what could happen because Mike. We've also seen Mike Sullivan be pretty fluent in changing lines mid-game. That Have was we though. We yeah. really haven't, when times I don't think. Get, not when, you know, not when they're winning, but, like, when times I mean, get tough, like, yeah. hey, this isn't working, switch it up. That's what I'm talking about. If That's why I said three shifts. You yeah. see that it's not working out after three shifts? All right. Boldly switch it up. Heinen and uh, Rodriguez. Just Heinen and Rodriguez, easy switch. Boom. Listen, I think there's also an element of, hey, this is Sidney Crosby's first game in five months. Let's give him someone familiar. So maybe at some point, and I do believe at some point we will see Heinen up on the second or on the first line with Sidney Crosby. There's a whole new conversation whenever Malkin comes back, but he's not going to be back in the month of November. So we don't have to talk about that. But this forward lineup, it seems like you're starting to figure it out. Once you bring back Malkin, once you bring back Rust, you see probably Evan Rodriguez to get taken out of the lineup. And to be completely fair, you probably see... Maybe a Drew O'Connor get taken out of the lineup as well. Either Drew O'Connor or Brian Boyle. That's what it's going to come down to. We talked about it on last Monday's episode. Probably but the forward be Boyle. core. Yeah. I hope it's Boyle at least. No offense to the guy. He's been a ton of fun. The team loves him, but he's a good skill, locker room man. guy. We've said that how many times already? Yeah, it's what's best for business. Yeah. So the forwards seem like there's kind of an understanding of how this is going to go if people get healthy. The defensive side is just a crapshoot right now. Chris Letang is out on COVID list. Pedersen and Ruedel just got added to the COVID list. Brian Dumoulin is not having his best of starts of the season. I mean, Pedersen just got put on the COVID list, like I said. He's been the best defenseman, in my opinion, for the Pittsburgh Penguins. When it comes to actually playing the position, he hey. has been the, the best. John Marino, I think, has had a good start to the year. But Marcus Pedersen, if you look at the way that he's been playing and some of the big plays that he's made, I think he's been the Penguins' best defenseman. So that is a huge blow. But when healthy, I have to giggle internally when I say that, but when healthy, who should be the bottom pair on this defense? Because we expect Dumoulin, Latang to be up there. We expect Pedersen, Marino to possibly, most likely be the second pairing. Who's your third pairing then? Well, then you got Mike Matheson because you cannot, uh, in good mindset, take him out of the lineup. Yeah. All that damn money you're paying him. Plus, he's looked good. He hasn't been looked. He hasn't been worth the money, but he's looked no. fair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically coming down to that last spot, and it always has been. Yeah. Uh, for what it is worth, Pio Joseph just got the call up. I'm just gonna list off all the defensemen, whether or not they are <laughs> in, whether or not they are in that on that side of the ice or not, because I don't remember off the top of my head about that. Yeah, uh, but like like I said, P.O. Joseph got the call up for uh, this COVID situation, and will probably play because uh, Chad Ruedel, probably the guy in that spot, so he's down. Um, Mark Mark Friedman, I like him on the ice, but he's not the smartest of players and isn't the greatest of defensemen. Mm-hmm. He seems to be more of a pest than anything. At this point. Um, So I don't know what to make of his spot in this lineup because he's a Brian Brian Burke and Ron Hextall guy, not a Mike Sullivan guy. And there's a bit of a difference there. Mm -hmm. He's capable, but it's just not the wisest. So who knows exactly what you do there. Oh, and Yuso Rico, guess what? Looks good. Yeah, he did. He he did in his first game on Saturday. Anybody surprised? Yeah. His first game since what? I think they said like nine January. Months, I think. Yeah, so like nine months. 
and he looked good. He had a good game. His Corsi was, you know, plus over 50%. Everything was over 50%. It was, it was nice. It was nice to see him play there. But if all healthy, again, in, internal giggles aside, I would say it's probably Matheson Ruedel. I mean, obviously, Mike Matheson needs to be in this lineup for obvious reasons. Yeah. And I think you saw with the fact that Friedman is healthy, yet Ricola was put in on Saturday shows that this team management-wise is not sold on Mark Freeman being the next guy there. So that's why you saw Ricola get in. So it seems like right now Ricola has kind of an advantage if he continues to play well. But at the same time, Ricola has never been had an issue when the puck is on his stick. He's never had an issue the off, on the offensive side of playing defense. It's the defensive side of playing defense. It's the turnovers that have killed him. He didn't do it on Saturday. He didn't. He had a good game. But when you talk about who you're pairing with Matheson, it's clearly Ruedel. He's clearly the most responsible. Definitely the guy that doesn't need to have his the puck on his stick, whereas Ricola does to be able to make great plays. And Friedman, he's a little, it's a little too, I don't know, unpredictable to put alongside a guy that's also unpredictable in Mike Matheson. So I feel like the obvious answer is Chad Ruedel, but it'd be nice to see Ricola get in there a little bit more. It would. It would be. Although, because the thing is, you stick him probably, probably in the third line with Matheson. You yeah. suddenly have two offensive defensemen on your third line on defense. Mm-hmm. And when and if it's fully healthy, half of your defense is offensive defensemen because you throw Latang in there. Ideally, how many of those kind of defensemen do you want in your lineup at a time? Like two, maybe? Three at most. Three at most? Well, we're sitting at three at most there. Because yeah. I'm assuming Ricola falls in the offensive category. We know Matheson does. Yeah, but I feel like when I say three at most, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. When I you're say good. three at most, I feel like it's if you're offensive at the expense of your defense. I don't think Chris Letang falls into that category. And I also don't think John Marino does. I think both of them are stellar defensemen. But a guy like Ricola, on the other hand, and Matheson is where you start to tip the scales. Yeah, and I wasn't even counting Marino in that because we would run down all of them. We could just say Dumoulin, full-on defensive defenseman. Uh, Patterson, puck mover, but defensive not a defenseman. scorer, not an offensive defenseman. John Marino, two-way, boom, you cover both. And there's mm-hmm. kind of where, I guess, Latang would fall in your head. And yeah. I can agree with that. I totally can. He is a good defenseman, too. I just, people always peg him as the um, offensive-style defenseman and just kind of look at the numbers rather than seeing the defensive play because the defensive play is kind of what gets him blown up on, on Twitter half the time. Yeah. So there's kind of my thought process behind it because he isn't the greatest defensively, but he's got his touch. Um, and then Matheson just is a forward, period. And Ricola, we just haven't seen. We, let's be real, we haven't seen enough. For all we know, he could be a hell of a two-way player. But we just have not utilized him enough at all. How many career games does he have? Has he played a whole season yet? Uh, I think he probably has because he's played in parts of, I believe, three seasons for the Penguins or four seasons for the Penguins, possibly. But he only played in like three games last season. So, and he's only had one so far this year. So it it might be close, but. Career uh, 76. So, yeah, he hasn't even played a full 82 yet. But 13 points in those 76 games. Hey, that's not awful. No, not at all. And he has such a good shot. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but he has such a sneaky good shot. He just never uses it, and it pisses me off. But let's let's move on really quickly and close out this segment with our thoughts on the first month of the season. The Penguins go 3-3-2 in the month of October. Sidney Crosby misses seven of the eight games played. Four different players miss time on the COVID list. That number is going to be up to six the second the next game starts. Rust gets injured in game two, and your leading scorers are Danton Heinen with six points, Evan Rodriguez with five points, and Drew O'Connor with five points. Horwat, is this a better or worse start than you expected going into the season? Um, wins wise, like okay, record wise better, statistics wise worse. Uh, and hear me out on this because when we just have these discussions of hey, our stars are not going to be in the lineup, who's stepping up? It's usually immediately that's the second tier guys on our team like Gensel, like. Rust, but he's hurt, but I'm still going to throw him in there. Those are the guys you expect to step up in that situation, uh, and they haven't yet. 
uh, Gensel Kapanen isn't the one I was trying to think of, or Carter for that matter. They just haven't fully been there yet. It's time for at least Gensel and Kapanen to find their game and elevate themselves to what they should have been. But then you look at the record and you say 3-3-2. Three, three, and two, it, Okay, it's not the greatest, but it is slightly better than I was expecting going into going into the season without Krause and Malkin. And then if you were to tell me, hey, we're also going to lose Latang, Carter, and Rust along the way, and then Gensel for a game, yeah, I don't think I would have thought we'd be at 3-3-2. Three, three, so I'm my answer is both because it's def, definitely a better record than I would have expected, but not exactly who... The numbers are being picked up by who I thought they would be picked up by. That's where I fall in this. Mm-hmm. I think they're, it's better than I expected. Not looking at the record, not looking at the stat sheet, but looking at the, the way they played yeah. and the product that they put out on the ice. Before last week, before the three-game losing streak, when they were 3-0-2, obviously, you're ecstatic with the record. You're more happy about... Who's scoring the goals? You're more happy about the way you're beating these teams. You're more happy about how you shut down the Tampa Bay Lightning on opening night. How you stayed with the indomitable Florida Panthers. How you rolled over a bad team in the Chicago Blackhawks. How you rolled over a decent team in the Toronto Maple Leafs. They were playing really well without their best players. This past week, I'm still okay with it because the way they played in the first period against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the way they played the first two periods against the Calgary Flames. The only game that I'm really, really upset with is Saturday's game against the Devils. Because, and even then, you're completely changing things up. Jeff Carter comes back in the lineup. Sidney Crosby comes back in the lineup. You're mixing and matching so many different things that undeniably, if you play a good team, and they did, they played a really good team in the New Jersey Devils. In my opinion, they're going to be a good team. And the Devils were ready for it. The Penguins were in that game up until the last five minutes. But the Devils were ready for it. The Penguins just couldn't get things going. So when I look at the way they've played, they've surpassed my expectations. They've impressed me in the way that they have shown up in this first month. Are the results there? They're not. They're not where I want them to be. Obviously, you don't want them to be in last place in the division. But the way they've played on the ice, the way they've kind of bought into the system, and you've heard that a lot over the first three weeks of the the year, that these players have bought into Mike Sullivan's system, the way that they've done that has been what has impressed me so far. Yeah, I can't totally disagree. It is if I didn't even think of rolling through like who we played who we played against and how mm-hmm. we handled each of those teams. Um, it is more impressive than I think anybody would have expected because you mentioned I mean, we beat the Leafs 6-7-1. to one. Mm. I don't think I would have mentioned that. I don't think I would have thought of that. I would have thought maybe, yeah, that's kind of what you get when your goalies are Jack Campbell, who really does still have to prove himself as a starter, I think. Mm. And Peter Mrazek. Uh, flip-flop, man. That's hard. Peter Mrazek's a hard one to pin down. So mm-hmm. I think maybe I would have believed it, but I really wouldn't have. 7-1? to one? Yeah. At team one? Yeah. Not to con- not to continue harping on the Leafs almost two weeks after that game, but yeah. damn. Yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's just, yeah, I think it. we've definitely exceeded expectations. That's for damn sure. Yeah. So, we're going to take a quick break here. When we return, we're going to finish off the show with a quick minor league minute and then our weekly pens poll. We'll be right back. Hockey fights, lifestyle, and tales from a first-round draft bust? We have it all and more on the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for boutique hockey content and podcasts covering every team in the NHL. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg Podcast, brought to you as always by the Hockey Podcast Network, as well as DraftKings. Make sure you use promo code THPN. When you visit the DraftKings Sportsbook app for great odds and opportunities, especially when you are at sign-up, make sure you use the promo code THPN. Horwat, I'm going to run through a minor league minute. We're going to hit our pens poll, and then I'm going to let you go take a nap because Waldo looks a little tired today. Just a slight bit. I enjoy recording <laughs> on uh, Monday mornings. Yes. But uh, just not today. Just not today. Not today. After Halloween weekend, it gets a little bit difficult. I worked all weekend. I don't even know why. I just don't feel that great. 
Well, let's start it off with a minor league minute. The Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, since the last time we covered them, have played in two games. Starting on Wednesday, they had a 4-2 win over the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Redeem Zahorna scored two goals. Valtteri Pustinen added two assists. And Philip Lindbergh was between the pipes, saving 20 shots on 22 attempts, only giving up two goals against Lehigh Valley. And the Penguins rolled over that team for the second straight game. And then Saturday, they had a 4-3 overtime win against the league-leading Springfield Thunderbirds. Valtteri Pustinen again with two points on the score sheet, this time notched a goal and an assist. Nathan Legare gets his first AHL goal, scoring the overtime winner for the Penguins. And Felix Robert gets two goals as well. Philip Lindbergh also in the net for that game. 34 saves on 37 shots. So through the first month of the season, for the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins, Valtteri Pustinen leads the team in points and goals with four goals and eight points in just seven games played. And Philip Lindbergh leading the charge between the pipes for 0-0 with a 1.71 goals allowed average and a 9.42 save percentage in his first season of professional hockey. Overall, the P- Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins are 5-1-1 and on the season, second in the Atlantic Division, and third in the entire American Hockey League. Uh, that's what you call an odd start. And isn't Pustinen, that's the guy uh, Jesse Marshall said to look out for. So. Jesse Marshall is a big Valtteri Pustinen guy, and he is on a on a hot start. Literally, I've watched two of these games so far, and Pustinen is by far the best player on the ice right now. Good. Minus possibly Lindbergh, because Lindbergh has been stout. Good. Good. We got a good minor league system down there, and we got stuff to look forward to. Again, like it's not tops of the NHL, but you know what? Better than, I guess, what people are giving giving them credit for. Yeah. It's enjoyable. Over under on how long Philip Lindbergh can continue doing this without people starting to clamor for him coming up to the NHL and taking Tristan Jari's spot. Uh, Not how long he should be down there. How long people are going to wait before saying he should do it. The issue, (laughs) you don't want him to do, well, maybe you do want him to do that well because last time the Penguins had a great goalie like that in the minor league system, they went on and won back-to-back cups with him. Correct. Don't forget, Matt Murray was down there breaking records, man. He was. So, who knows? We got a long season ahead of us, both to both teams. I'd give it three more weeks. Maybe even, maybe a month. I'll say a month. By the time we get to December, if Lindbergh is still doing this, there's going to be people in Pittsburgh clamoring for him to come up, which he shouldn't because it's his first year of professional hockey and he's only 22 years old. That's Oh, absolutely. Yeah, he should not be up yet at all. Let him marinate. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I get it. We've seen it before, but mm-hmm. I don't know. We had Flurry as our backup then. Yes, we did. So let's finish off this episode with our weekly pens poll. Our question this week for you fans was who has been your favorite new penguin so far? Danton Heinen comes in first place. A little bit of surprise to me. Danton Heinen gets 52% of the vote. Brian Boyle gets 32% comes in second and Brock McGinn finishes last with 16% of the vote. Horwat, who has been your favorite penguin so far? New penguin, excuse me. I don't remember who I voted for. I think it was Brett Danton Heinen because uh, he's leading the team in goals. And who the hell would have thought that? Yeah. Not with a Zucker saying, hey, I'm going to shoot more. Not with a Jake Gensel just in the lineup. Not with a Kasperi Kapanen who's set to have, who was set to have a breakout year. Uh, no, it's Danton Heinen leading this team in goals. So that's a easy choice. Maybe that's why he won too because, hey, he's – the one scoring the goals he's the one he's the name that everyone is seeing whereas Brian Boyle has been a ton of fun too mm-hmm. uh, just because that's just a the feel-good story b the the locker room loves him yeah every quote we get from him, there's something cool in it I mean the one about his kid being disappointed that it was his dad's jersey is incredible <laughs> to me and yeah. not a Crosby jersey I love that um, it's such the little things about Brian Boyle this season that have been a ton of fun scoring in the first game um and then scoring in that 7-1 blowout with the Leafs he's been just fun to watch and fun to have around the team and in the locker room so maybe even that's my choice I like those both of those two mm-hmm. uh whereas I can see why I'm again lost as you know was last in this list because I mean hey you were 
brought in to be the the quote unquote Tanev replacement, as good or good or bad of a title that may have been. He hasn't quite been that yet because mm-hmm. he's not as oh I don't know charismatic. <laughs> it's not he, well. It's hard to be as charismatic as Brandon Tanev. Exactly, and I think that's what we wanted. We wanted to see the the charisma. We wanted to see just the I don't know the audacity of him all, but it's. Yeah. He ain't got it, and we just got to live with that. He's going to go out, play his game, and go home. Mm-hmm. Okay, and you know who else does that? Well, he, he at least he would if he could, but he has to ha- answer media questions. Sidney Crosby, if he didn't have to talk to media, he would go out, play his game, and go home. Yeah. <laughs> Not that he's a hermit, but I mean, that's he's as close life. to a hermit as you can be at that social status. Yeah, yeah that is hockey. Until he retires, like, it's the way it is. So that's just McGinn's game. Goes in, yeah. comes in, does his work, goes home. And you've mm-hmm. got to appreciate a guy like that. But So they're all fun. I just think um, – and that's also nothing against him again. That's, I mean, he hasn't been here long enough, so maybe we just don't know what kind of guy he is. Mm-hmm. You know, that's we're too focused on guys like Hine and, and Boyle. Like I said, Boyle's giving us a great press conference every game. I want <laughs> him to do press conferences when he's not in the lineup. I want to – State of the Penguins address from Brian Boyle. Yeah. (laughs) And then, like I said, Heinen's the one scoring the points. So, Mm -hmm. and that whole fallout makes sense. I appreciate this. Yeah, to be honest, I like all three of them, but that wasn't the question. It was, who is your favorite new Penguin so far? I actually voted for Brock McGinn. You bastard. (laughs) I did. I was was one of the 16 percenters that voted for Brock McGinn. Not that I don't like Brian Boyle. I do. I think off the ice and character wise, Brian Boyle is my favorite for obvious reasons. Like that story you mentioned that he gave his kid a Penguins jersey. And when his kid saw that it was a Brian Boyle jersey and not a Sidney Crosby jersey, he visibly was upset. That that to me is great. I love that Brian Boyle is on this team. I like the way that he's played. Don't get me wrong. I do. And as far as Heinen's concerned, yeah, he had, he had, what, seven goals in 43 games last year for Anaheim. He already has four in eight games for the Penguins. So clearly, he's in a much better situation. But when it comes to what I've seen on the ice and what I've seen basically at all times, consistency-wise, Brock McGinn is the guy that I've enjoyed watching. Like I mentioned, he's kind of like a lunch pail guy. He laid that massive hit. Again, I wish I remembered what game it was from. But it was the biggest hit of the season so far for the Pittsburgh Penguins. And I like that intensity that he brings. I like that Mike Sullivan just slotted him into Brandon Tanev's role and was like, yeah, these guys are good. I like that that line, statistically, analytically, has been the best line for the Pittsburgh Penguins so far. That's the reason they're still together. And a big portion of that is due to Brock McGinn's ability to play with Teddy Bluger and Zach Aston Reese. Do I want to see a little bit more scoring from that line? Yes, I do. Do I want to see a little bit more scoring from Brock McGinn? Yes, I do. But at the same time, he's right along the pace that he has set his entire career. I've enjoyed watching Brock McGinn. I've enjoyed watching Denton Heinen and Brian Boyle too. But the way that I've watched Brock McGinn, I hope to see him play for many years to come. Denton Heinen to me and I don't want to say this because I don't want to curse him, there's still an aura of Mark Jankowski that hits me in the back of the head. And it's just because of the frame, the scoring early, and the fact that there's not much else that I've seen to his game so far that has stood out to me. I'm probably 100% off, and I hope I am, and most likely am. But for some reason, in the back of my head, there is a whole Jankowski aura around him, and I still haven't got over the pain that Janko caused me last season. Let me help you out and get you out of that pain <laughs> with Jankowski real quick. Number one, Jankowski only scored two damn games. Yeah. Right? It was just the first two, really, and, until like the end of the year? Correct. All right. Dan Hines already scored in more than two games. There you go. We never – Mark Jankowski came out like a house of fire in those first two games, right? We yeah. never once said he should be on the first line. That's yeah. That's also true. We we whereas, never said that he was a, a Sidney Crosby line mate. Whereas at the beginning, before this season started, we said Heine could work his way up to the first line. We haven't seen him play a second in a Penguin uniform. Yeah. Now we've seen him play in a Penguin uniform, and I'm still fighting for him to be playing with Crosby right now. So mm-hmm. there's your difference. You're welcome. You're cured. Get that out of your head. Don't bring <laughs> that devil back in this room. <laughs> yeah, and like I said, it's a very small 
small yes. little voice in the back of my head, but I have self-sabotaging voices in my head about the penguins all the time. Don't we all? But that's yeah, not so one exactly. of them for me. Exactly. That's that. That's in the back of my head. Brian Boyle, I've enjoyed watching him, but at the same time, in my head, I know once Malkin comes back, there's a good chance that Boyle is not in the lineup. Absolutely. So, am I trying to make that kind of connection with Brian Boyle? I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not trying no. to get that emotionally invested in Brian Boyle, although he is making it so goddamn hard because he is such a likable human being and such a fun hockey player. But in my mind, I would say Brock McGinn to this point. I've enjoyed watching him play hockey the most out of these three. I like it. It's like you, you're right on with your reasoning. It's, it's yeah. You're just telling me to shut up about Jankowski. That's, that's all, all you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Your reasoning behind the other person was behind Hein, and it's just not not valid. Okay, good. I'm glad you think so. I hope that little voice in the back of my head shuts the hell up, and I can just enjoy watching Danton Hein and play hockey. But it's also going to be, uh, what, four more days till the Penguins play again, so that voice is now just going to get louder and louder. Yeah, and for all we know, we we were discussing COVID stuff with Patterson and Ruedel. I mean, how many? Like, what are the odds there? pulled right back out of it soon i mean do we know any of those details yet it's only one day we just found out yesterday right yeah we just found out that they got put in the protocol yesterday and basically one of those tests could be false positives but we wouldn't know that until later this afternoon or tomorrow depending on if the penguins practice and have media availability and stuff such as that but we'll see how that all all pans out but for right now we're gonna call it a day because horwat Waldo looks tired, and we'll let him take a little nappy poo. <laughs> I don't know why I said nappy poo. That was weird. It was really weird. It's Halloween. It's got to be weird. But it's Thanksgiving season, actually. But you know, it's Christmas season. No, it's if not. you asked my up. fiance. Yeah, shut up. I saw that. Not hearing it. <laughs> you look like a candy cane right now. So fuck off. <laughs> That's gonna do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. We'll see you guys on Thursday, and we'll see the Pittsburgh Penguins on Thursday night against the Philadelphia Flyers. Have a good week, Pens fans. You can follow us on Twitter at NickHorwat41 and at Nick underscore Berlansky. You can also follow the show's Twitter handle at Iceberg Podcast. This podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts from, so please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts. We are brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. You can visit them on Twitter at HockeyPodNet or at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. Every team, everywhere.